0: But I don't know, the dynamic was a little bit different when I moved to New York. Even though I knew of my stepmom, I didn't really have that much interaction with her. My father was a stranger to me because I knew of him. He would visit. And so we had those small moments together, but they were both strangers to me. And when you think about a 16-year-old being put into that environment, I was pretty much grown self-sufficient. And I think for my dad, I think one of the major issues that we had was that he was still looking at the little girl that he left when she was however old I was. So he wanted to rekindle or restart from where he left off. And that was not possible. And I think for us, on our relationship, that is where it all went wrong. Because I was already instilled, I was taught certain things by both my mom and my stepdad. And he wanted to erase those, and he wanted to do that himself, but it's not possible. We can't go back. We could only move forward. So the dynamic there was different.
1: Did you know that there's about 2,000 miles between Trinidad and Tobago and New York City? Jen, why are you asking if we know that? Well, our next guest, Terry Smith, actually made that move at the age of 16. She backed up her 16 years of experience with her mom and stepdad and moved to New York City to live with her dad and stepmom. Now, as you might guess, she did have a whole lot to do with that decision. And that is the way it is in blended families oftentimes, that our kids are not part of that decision to make that transition. This is why I love having stepkids join us on Step Family Mission Possible as they share their perspectives on what life is like for them, yet with the wisdom of an adult. And in episode number 50, I'm so pleased and thankful for the two great recommendations that Terry shares with stepfamily couples everywhere. Listen in to today's episode to find out what they are. Real quick, though, before we start, Bill and I are going to be sharing literally everything we know and that we're learning about how to enjoy step family life on this podcast feed. So we're not going to be holding anything back. But the thing is, it's going to take us a long time to release all of this knowledge out into the world as we're doing weekly episodes. So if you are ready to kick chaos to the curb and live your best step family life right now, we invite you to participate in our coaching programs. It all starts with a free 30-minute call. We'll give you our best blending advice on what you can do immediately to calm the chaos. And if it's a good fit for you, we'll invite you into our membership program. Simply go to stepfamilymissionpossible.com or click on the link in the show notes to begin. We can't wait to meet you. Hey there. Terry Smith is with us today from Trinidad and Tobago, formerly from Trinidad and Tobago. And for those of you who are wondering how far away Trinidad and Tobago are, from the USA, it's about the same distance as from New York City to San Diego as it is from New York City to Trinidad and Tobago. Terry, welcome to Step Family Mission Possible.
0: Hi, thank you so much for having me.
2: Truly appreciate being here. Except there's that little matter of water.
1: Yes, yes. It's, it's an island, a beautiful one at that. It's beautiful. Far, but beautiful. We know for sure you're not going to be driving from New York City to Trinidad and Tobago. No, no, you won't. Terry, you're one of our special guests because you grew up as a stepkid and we love interviewing stepkids when they're adults so they can give us a perspective on what life was like for them. Can you tell us a little bit about your background? Yes, so most certainly. So
0: I actually step kid on both sides. My mom and my dad, they never married, but they both remarried. They both married different people. So my mom, I have my stepdad and on my dad's side, I have my stepmom. I actually grew up in the Caribbean from birth until I was 16 with my mom and my stepdad. And then I migrated to New York and lived with my dad, my biological father and my stepmom until I believe I was like 21. So I grew up with two different step parents on two different countries and two different in two different time eras. So it made um, for quite interesting what you call a journey in life.
2: How old were you when you moved to New York City with your dad?
1: 16. I was 16 years old. How did you feel about that? Did you have any role in deciding that you were going to move from Trinidad and Tobago to New York City?
0: No, I, I had no decision. I was aware of it. I think when I was, my mom told me ever since I think I was like 13, that they had an agreement that when I turned 16, because in the Caribbean, you finish high school, you technically finish high school at 16. So when I finish high school, my dad will take me and I'll, and he will take me on to college. So that was always the agreement. I didn't want to leave home. I, I had all my family, my mom, my dad, who I had a, great, a good relationship with. I want to say great. And that was only my part, not on his. But I was comfortable at home. And I had my friends and family and no one, a 16-year-old, don't want to lead that kind of lifestyle to go to something that's uncertain. So it was not an easy decision. How traumatic was that
2: experience going from a tropical island to New York City?
0: Oh, my goodness. It was traumatic. Thank you for using that word because that is exactly what it was. It was a massive cultural shock for me. When I moved to New York, the high school, because I had to go back to high school, my dad wasn't, he wasn't prepared, to be honest with you. So I did not go straight to college like I was supposed to do, like I think another year of high school. And the high school that they were trying to get me into was capped. So I ended up having to go to another high school in a really rough neighborhood. And when I tell you, I grew up in the Caribbean where we don't lock our doors. We never own keys to our homes to go into high school where I had to go through, what you call it, metal detectors. And gangs, it was a
1: cultural shock. I. It was traumatic. That is quite a swing in events from unlocked doors to metal detectors. I imagine you often wanted to or actually did reach out and talked to your mom frequently. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Extremely often. But she
0: is a praying woman and she was just like, Terry, you will get through this. Just get through the year. And it's for the better. I cannot give you certain things, but your dad is able to. That's what she believed. And she thought it was she thought she was making the best decision for me. There was a lot of praying and conversations daily and a lot of tears, to be very honest with you. And then I stopped crying because I didn't want to make her feel bad about that decision. So I just used to suck it up after a while, be like, How's everything? I'm good. It's okay. So,
2: So Terry, it sounds like you had a good family situation in Trinidad and Tobago up to 16. And then when you moved to New York City, how did that situation change?
0: It was different. The way I looked at it is that my mom married my stepdad. And like I said, even though I, I I, had no reason not to like him, he was so sweet to me. So sweet, so patient. But I looked at him as an intruder and he brought little intruders with him, a.k.a. my siblings. I gave him a hard time, but I could tell you he is, he is just as just sweet as his family on his side of the family welcomed me and I always felt a part of their family I didn't feel like an outsider but I don't know the dynamic was a little bit different when I moved to New York even though I knew of my stepmom I didn't really have that much interaction with her my father was a stranger to me because I knew of him he would visit and so we had those small moments together but they were both strangers to me And when you think about a 16-year-old being put into that environment, I was pretty much grown self-sufficient. And I think for my dad, I think one of the major issues that we had was that he was still looking at the little girl that he left when she was however old I was. So he wanted to rekindle or restart from where he left off. And that was not possible. And I think for us on our relationship, that is where it all went wrong because I was already instilled. I was taught certain things by both my mom and my stepdad. And he wanted to erase those and he wanted to do that himself. But it's not possible. We can't go back. We could only move forward. So the dynamic there was different.
1: What is one thing that you wish your dad would have said or done? that would have made it a little bit easier or a little bit better for you? Just to listen and to,
0: I think it was a lot of projecting to a lot of guilt um, on his part that he was not there. So he tried to reclaim those moments. And by trying to do that, he was trying to to treat me as a two-year-old or one-year-old and not listen to what 16, 16-year-old Terry had to say. And I had opinions, I had thoughts, and they weren't being valued at all. He it was a control thing and and he wanted the little girl to come and hug his feet and hold on to his feet. But we did have that relationship. So I wish he would have just accepted it for what it was and tried to make the best of it in that moment and move forward. Cause then I would have humped on him more. But it was it, it was hard. Because he it, I, I did wanted the relationship that a child would have with their father. He needed to build from the 16-year-old moving forward and not try to go back and re- and reclaim the time that he had lost. So he wanted to re-instill values that were already instilled in me because he thought they weren't good enough. He wanted to redo a lot of the thinking, teachings that my parents, my dad, and my mom did. He wanted to do them in his way, but that that was not possible. So there was a lot of friction there. So, and then I would voice those opinions and say, Dad, you're not listening. But, you know, he did not want to hear it. So that is where our friction came from. There would have to be, It would have been a more loving relationship. Like, he, I know he wanted his little girl to just be like, that's my dad, but he made it hard because he didn't want to let go of the little girl.
2: So there were different traditions between the two homes.
0: To be very honest with you, No. And I say that because my stepdad and my stepmom, both from Trinidad and Tobago, they all grew up on the island. So yes, it it should have been a seamless transition because it's only certain things that were different. Like in the Caribbean say, we don't celebrate Thanksgiving. So we'll have those traditions. But in terms of like cultural um, expectations and attitudes and beliefs and religious beliefs, it all should have just um, transferred seamlessly because we all grew up with the same um, ideologies, but it didn't because of mindset and intentions.
2: Terry, you have stepbrothers and sisters?
0: I have a sister, yes. Yes, I have a sister on, on my dad's side of the family.
1: Terry, before we jump in and talk about your sibling relationships, I'd like to take a moment and pause on the words I heard you say. You said, it should have been. And oftentimes when we're having step-family conversations, those words come up. It should have been a certain way, especially in your situation where you were describing you had the same values. Yet for our families who are listening, oftentimes they don't have the same values in each home. The values are different. When the kids go back and forth and they have this value shift, they can seem even more abrupt. So for you, what I hear you saying is you're talking about a lifestyle change where the whole thing was turned upside down. Just thinking about the terrain, if you will, from Trinidad and Tobago to New York City, that the cultures were extraordinarily different. Yet the values were the same that your mom and your dad held. It's a new perspective to think about these cultural shifts.
0: Yes. Yeah, that is so true. And in, in, in realization, it's just growing up and adulting and and having my own kids, I realize what it comes down to. It's just understanding and accepting things for what they are. When we think about the dynamics of, say, step-parents and stepchild, people think of, oh, it has to be this way or it's going to be this way, but it really doesn't have to be. It just really boils down to the personalities of the individuals involved. And Sorry to say, a lot of the burden does fall on the parents, the adults involved. Because kids, we're emotional. <laughs> Our brains have not even fully developed. We're going to make rash decisions. We're going to have rash thoughts. But the adults, we depend on them to to re- be p- impartial with their decisions, impartial and be rational. And sad to say, we, we're humans, so it's going to be hard. So I don't even fault my, my dad or my, or my stepmom or my stepdad or any one of them for the way they handled the situation. They handle it the best way they knew how. It just doesn't have a great outcome. But we're humans, so it, it, it's a learning process. And I hope by me speaking that it can impart some kind of deep pondering onto the adults listening, so maybe they can step back and be like, okay, let me put myself in this 16-year-old or 9-year-old or 4-year-old shoes and see what it is that they might want from me instead of what I
2: want from them. Wow, Terry, that sounds like such a process. So about what age would you say you were when that attitude softened, when that attitude became what you have now? Versus the way you felt before.
0: That is so funny. So I'm 37. <laughs> and it developed at 37. I kid you not.
1: <laughs> so it happened right before the podcast?
0: No, it happened at the top of this year. It happened at the top of this year, somewhere around March. I, 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 like I said, my, my relationship with my dad is not what I wanted to be. And I started just doing some introspective thinking and trying to start with me first and look back and see some of my behaviors. And then I looked at my dad behaviors and I said, okay, this is what didn't work. This is what I didn't. And, and, and humanized him, <laughs> humanized the behavior, but still but still able to point out where, where it went wrong and what could have been better. Now, as adults, we know it's very hard to, in the Caribbean, we have the same where we can't teach an an old dog new tricks. I'm not calling my dad a dog, but if you understand what I'm saying is that he's aged and he's stuck in his ways. So for me to come now and try to change him, it's not going to happen, but I can change my my attitude, my behavior towards him to make the relationship more peaceful, however that may look for us. So that is where that came about. Just me, just on my search and my journey for peace and healing so that I don't transfer that to my children. So that trauma stays with me and does not transfer to
1: them. Terry, as you think back about where you are right now and how you grew up, how influential was your dad's influence in comparison to your stepdad's influence? Oh my goodness, to
0: be very honest with you, like my stepdad' influence is major because that is where I spent a lot of my formative years living. I lived with him up until I was sixteen. that's a good chunk of my life where you're learning values and you're being taught certain things and you get to experience life and while in while I was living there, I didn't value him. I could tell you when I had my when I had my daughter, and she was preemie, and and I I needed help, so I said, okay, let me go home to my mom, and he jumped on a plane and he came and he got me and my my daughter, <laughs> and to help us travel back to the Caribbean, and in that moment, I realized. His unconditional love for me and, and for me because it stems from me, and and then it started. I started remembering different things throughout my childhood, how he would treat me when people would ask him about me because I was living away. I remembered my siblings would call and be like, "Oh, one of your high school friends saw Dad and asked him for you," and they're like, "Oh, or Terry," and they'd be like, "You're Sharon's daughter. That's my mom," and he's, "You mean my daughter." And just those little things, and he would correct them until they realized what they were saying. And I realized then that he never considered me. He never uttered those words. He never said stepdaughter, and I never felt that way. So I was able to connect the two, like my like my children. He doesn't say step grandchildren or some made up. He those are my grandkids, and his actions, re- what you call it, reciprocates that. So it's and then I moved to my stepmom, where. I'm still in a tug of war with my feelings towards that because I think as a woman, her position is a little bit harder, maybe a little bit different, you know, where maybe she didn't want to overstep on boundaries that imaginary boundaries or make plain line boundaries that are there. But it's a different dynamic because I never felt like um, completely part of the family or like her daughter or even. I felt like a stepdaughter in the American way of of how I remember growing up and watching it on TV. And even with my kids, she would always say, Michael's, which is my dad, Michael's kids, grandkids. So it's a different dynamic. And I tried to understand her position, but I just wish it was different. So I don't know if it's a, maybe it's a conversation we'll have later down where how come she never used certain words because words matter. And I know some people are triggered by hearing them. And um, some people are okay with them. So I guess it's kind of tough to call, but I place no blame there because they're adults. They They were just doing the best they can, I believe.
1: So It's so interesting because we all bring something a little bit different to the table. So getting to this point where you're saying you place no blame there because they're adults doing the best they can. I think oftentimes in our role as a parent, That is what we go back to. We're doing the best that we can. And as we grow, we're learning too. So I think there's definitely an opportunity for some grace there as we continue to learn and improve in our skill sets as parents. I'm curious how much of what you're talking about now, this really, this process of forgiveness is impacting you in your role as a mother. Is it impacting you and how? Oh, a whole lot from, I believe, <laughs> I remember
0: that when I when I had my daughter and I, I had a very um, rough pregnancy. I spent most of it on bed rest. So I had a lot of time to sit there, lay there literally and just think, and holding a lot of um, negative emotions because even at that time, my dad and my relationship was pretty rough. And in that moment, I told myself I will not transfer any of that energy to my unborn because I know she can feel every ounce of it. And then after she was born and she was here, I would go out of my way for because I I want them to have that relationship. And I, and I look at it from this point of view. My dad missed out on um, a good chunk of my life when I was younger and he got a second chance. He didn't make use of that second chance. Then I had my daughter, I had my kids. Then he got a third chance and he's still not making full use of that third chance. And so there's only so much I can do. And as a parent, I recognize that. And it's still a struggle trying to determine their relationship with him, but, but still protecting them from inconsistencies of being a grandparent, if you know what I mean. But yes, a lot of it was influenced by me having my own kids and knowing what I went through, the emotions that I felt and trying to protect them and also just open them up to a relationship that I never had. So just trying to figure out that whole dynamic as we
1: speak still. (laughs) And your daughter, she's 12 right now. Is that correct? Yes, Mm -hmm. correct.
2: Correct. had any conversations with your daughter about step family dynamics, or has she ever asked you questions about, say, your stepmom? Is she really my grandma?
0: No, she's never asked. And to be honest, I, I haven't had that conversation. I think with kids, and just in general, people compartmentalize a lot of stuff. So she knows her grand. It's funny, she's these are my grandparents, and she calls them grandparents. And when she wants to, when she wants to speak of say my dad and my stepmom in New York, she says, Granddad Michael, Grand Grandmom. She doesn't even say grandma. She calls her by her name because that's how I address her, by her first name. So that's how so she in her mind has already differentiated, put them on different levels based on her interaction with them. Cause she has a thriving relationship with my with my parents in the Caribbean because she used to go there every summer she spent summers (laughs) they would they would send for her every summer versus my dad in new york she has only spent maybe three days or so a week or so when i have visited new york and this is three times throughout her entire life so she has made that decision for herself and i'm unsure actually how to proceed with um with Breaking that down to her, even if I should, because she seems unaffected by it,
1: you know? This is characteristic of not just blended parenting, but parenting in general, that we are evaluating whether or not something is appropriate to share for our children or share with our children or whether at this age, how do we talk about the things that are really, for us, are deeply meaningful And they have significantly impacted how we are parenting, as we were talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. Yeah, true. Very true. Now, do you have any other children besides your 12-year-old daughter? Um, I have a daughter and I have a four-year-old son. He is truly a handful.
2: (laughs) Boys are supposed to be.
0: Oh, that's what I heard. I was told that I didn't quite understand until he
1: was... Leah toddler. I'll say we are pretty familiar with how busy boys can be. We have a handful of our own in our grandson. So we have three grandsons and one granddaughter, and they are definitely busy. Wow. The sweet thing about being grandparents is that there isn't any step there. And that was really, as we look back, that was a conscious decision. That we weren't going to have step.
2: Well yeah. Obviously Jennifer's daughter is my stepdaughter. When she had her first grandchild, our first grandchild, James, he's six now, she came to me and said, You are G Papa. You are grandpa to him, and we don't have to use step terms. And that was a real blessing to me because it really made me feel like I was part of the family. Because I didn't raise her.
1: This makes me think of when my kids went away for college, that they would be gone for a little bit and then come back on Thanksgiving or Christmas, the first fall semester. And when they came back, they would make observations about something that changed, something as simple as, Mom, you got a new shirt, for there'd be a new Or something that changed that was different from when we left the world before. And I think it's important to remember that during this time especially, there's a lot of self-focus and how is this impacting me and what has changed for me. Not so much what has changed for you. So it's definitely applicable for step families to remember that our kids are looking at it through a very different lens. And truth be told, for me personally, I know I was looking at it through my own lens too, not taking into consideration that there were a lot of changes that the kids were experiencing as well.
2: So in the family dynamic, changing siblings, because that's another matter that when we have couples and you have other kids in the home leaving here and coming back to other brothers and sisters, that's why we often say regarding couples, we say coupleness is not familiness, because there's a lot more to a family than the couple. And their kids and relationships go with all that too. Uh, So talk about that a little bit. So on my
0: mom's side, she had four kids, right? They just had one. And I looked at my my second oldest, the sibling that's right after me. She's seven years younger than I am. I looked at her as a little intruder. I was like, you just come in and just disrupted a whole other adult in taking up my space. And now here here you come. So that that, that was just uh, being a kid, you know, didn't want to have any kind of company just wanted mom all to myself but our relationships are just beautiful it's truly purely sibling relationship and it makes me quite sad when i think about it now on the other hand with my dad's sister i never people will say oh your stepsister i never i always say my sister because i value my sibling relationship so much i just never looked at her like that even when she was born and she came to the caribbean i was still living home And I was just so in love. I was like, Oh, I have another sibling because the situation was so different with my dad. Our relationship was so troubled that we never got to build the kind of bond that I had with my other siblings. And and it's no fault of hers and no fault of mine. And it's it just makes me extremely sad till today because the relationship is it is it is just not where I would have loved it, where it could have gone if they had just allowed it to be here. So it's, the dynamic was different. And for me, I was the one moving between the homes. My siblings, you know, that's, they had their family and then my sibling in New York, she had hers. I was the one going back and forth. And in the Caribbean, I wasn't, I never, they never made me feel out of place. Uh, my sis, my siblings back home always joke and say that my stepdad, I am, I'm the favorite <laughs> and I'm not even his biological child. It's like you can get anything out of him. You're, you just ask and he'll give you in this kind of way. Oh man, they usually, if they want something seriously from him, they will call me <laughs> all the way in here in Texas and
1: I will call him. And uh, so, is there some sort of bonus, like an affiliate bonus or something, that you get since you're the go between? That you get a cut of the deal?
0: I, 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 I should thank you for putting that thought in my mind. It took so many years for you to tell me
1: this? When we were talking before actually getting on the call together to record the podcast, you had shared some things about your half sister and how she would get skedaddled from your room because of some of the things that your dad was experiencing in relation to the two of spending time together.
0: Yeah. I think with him it was the form of control. I it's like he couldn't control he couldn't control the situation, so he created situations that did not need to be. So our relationship could not go where it was because of him he would he didn't like us spending time together because he thought that i was a bad influence why because he did not he wasn't able to influence me in the way he wanted to like i said he wanted to do the whole toddler thing and then i was just absolutely resistant to it because it, it made absolutely no sense so his way of retaliating or rationalizing that situation was to be like well you you know i couldn't do this so that means I cannot determine if you're a good fit to mold and be there for your younger sister. So I'm going to limit your your interaction as much as I can with her. But she would sneak and come in my room and we would hang out and chat. But it, it did a lot of damage because as I was way older than her and as we grew apart and I moved and stuff like that, she... I was the person that she was supposed to come to if she got into any kind of trouble or had any kind of questions. And because she didn't have that relationship with me, she didn't until she was maybe knee deep into the trouble. Or she's like telling me what happened after the fact instead of coming to confide in her sister. And that that part of it just makes me extremely sad because we truly love each other. We have nothing to stand between us just more than what was implanted. so. I distanced myself to protect myself from the situation because I often got blamed for things that I had nothing to do with. So if she messed up, I got blamed for it because that was his way of being able to be like, you know what? I So, so the way I reason it is that he raised her. So if he raised her, he did a very good job. So nothing she does could be because of him. He didn't raise me. So by blaming me, it could be like someone else's fault because he didn't raise me. <laughs> so I got Yeah, so I got blamed for a lot of stuff that had, I told you I had absolutely nothing to do, even when I was physically not present. So the more I thought about it, that's how I realized how he handled that situation. So it, it caused a lot of unnecessary friction and even friction that we don't even know exists, truly exists. We just don't have that relationship that we should have.
2: Do you have a relationship now where you can share those things with him or is there a block there?
0: I think there's a block. When I said the whole old dog's new tricks, my dad is, he's at that that age where, um, and it's just his temperament too. He would apologize, but you have to uh, apologize. I'll give you an example. Brittany was just recently I called him. I haven't spoken to him for a good while because I just realized that for the sake of peace of mind, I just need to distance myself a bit. Uh, And so I called him, wished him happy birthday, had the grandkids, wished him happy birthday. And he's just like, where have you been? I said, me dad hiding as always, because I'm just a hermit. I like to just be by myself a lot in my family and hide away. And uh, I talk to the ones, my immediate family members all the time. And he knows that. So he's just here hiding, huh? I said, yeah, but I know I could do better. Meaning that I could call him more. and I know I could do better. He's, that's right. I'm glad you realized that you can do better. (laughs) (laughs)
1: do you understand (laughs) that so that's where you undoubtedly felt like you were four years old again
0: yes and then the need for me to distance myself because there's no accountability ever in his path and i understand that and i understand that he will not change so to protect myself and my sanity I, i i i put the distance i i have to it's not what i want to do but i i have to because he will call and
1: when you call it's like you can't He can't have a conversation with me because he never did. This brings us to an important topic of boundaries. It's important important that couples see see that... Boundaries are important, especially for those complex situations where we experience trouble, if you will, over and over again, and it never goes well. It's always the same. Now, it may look a little different, but we already know the outcome as the situation gets rolling. So that's a trigger point for us to say, Oh, okay, let's do something different. Because really, you're the only ones who can change how you respond. And it's best as a couple that you're unified. So you can decrease the conflict as you're addressing the complexity of the situation in a different way, because complexity isn't necessarily going to change. I think we often fight against the change. We want it to be different. We want it to go in a different direction, and it doesn't do that. And instead, it may serve us better and our relationship better and our emotional well-being better if we took a unified approach to create a boundary and address a trigger situation in a unified manner it's no different than kids playing one parent against the other it's just in blended families there are more parents to pit against each other i am so glad you said
0: that like that that is that was that is one of the main issues that i i have with my dad and my stepmom is that i felt that one thing was said to my face and then a, another behavior was said behind closed doors there was no kind of United front from the two of them. It was just like, oh, I know he did that to my face and I know he's wrong. But then there was no sticking up for me when he was ultimately wrong to his face. This kind of way, there was no unison with the behavior. It was. It was like you said, and kids could pick up on that, and i it took me a while actually, because i just I just thought she just didn't want my stepmom she doesn't like conflict, who does no one likes conflict, so I thought that was just her way of dealing with it, so it's it could be confusing, it sends mixed messages as to how much you truly care if you care at all. That's how
1: it could come off. I would think that would impact your relationship between you and your husband as well,
0: yeah, yeah. Yes, my husband and I, we we try not to let them divide and conquer, especially with my twelve year old, <laughs> who tries it all the time. But it's important that we that we make unified decisions and that we try to stay consistent and in um in unison, as I said, with our decision making with them, so they understand that this is this is like one tower and we're you're going to get the same message.
2: I so appreciate. About what you said from the perspective of a child. And that is something that a lot of step families don't spend enough time on, frankly. Would you give us your best advice to those parents out there that are in step families? Maybe they're just starting out, maybe they've been at it for a year or two, and they're starting to hit the pitfalls. What advice about being a better parent to a child that's being pulled in several different directions?
0: Oh, wow. Well, let me see. I for me, there's several, but I give you my two main ones, just because of the two different dynamics household that I grew up in. When we made that adult decision to to have a union with another adult and their children involved, I think from the offset as parents going into that situation, adults going into that situation, you must be able to have the capacity to love that child fits your own that's from day one and I think once you have that that set and grain in your mind then when you move forward when there's there will be conflicts and pushback from the kids you it won't bother you and it won't trigger you to make rash decisions or decisions that are just not wholesome because when you, you our kids mess up all the time and we will give them chances again and again but I think when you think of you know what it's not my kid and I don't have to worry about it so much is where it all starts to have fault lines in the foundation because then you almost n- not forgive them if you know what I mean. <laughs> if you know what I mean you kind of almost like you know what I don't have to worry about it because it's not really my responsibility but if you go you make that decision that I love this person enough then. So much that I want to marry them, you should have that same exact amount of love for the child because in relationships it's work. So it's going to be work with the children as well. So you look at it from that point of view. And my next thing is to listen to the children, put yourself in their shoes because it's hard to listen to kids and decipher what it is they're trying to say because they themselves have a hard time articulating how they feel or what they mean. But if you put yourself, in their shoes. It's easy because we've been there. We've done that.
1: You understand? We have an idea of how we felt or it will trigger it. Terry, I'm a fan of alliteration. I heard two L's, love and listen. So the two things that are near and dear to your heart and what you would recommend for blended parenting is this. Number one, love without limits. Love them as though they are your own. And number two, listen well. Convicting, that's the word I'm sitting here thinking about what you're saying as you're talking and experiencing a sense of conviction as well as a sense of hope that regardless of how well we've loved and listened, we have the opportunity to begin anew each day and to take what we learn and put it into practice in a way that honors our children, our marriage, and of course, our Heavenly Father. Terry, thank you. Thank you for those two beautiful emblems of love, well, and listen well. You're so so welcome. There's one little thing left on my list that I wanted to bring up. I mentioned it to you earlier. Wasn't sure if I was going to do it, but have decided that stinky is important to talk about. No. What do I mean by that? It really has to do with your business. You are an entrepreneur in the business of getting rid of the stink. And we know we want to get rid of the stink in blended families, but we also want to get rid of the stink on our bodies. Go ahead and tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurial adventure. Awesome. Yes. (laughs) Yes, the stinkiness of it all. So I actually
0: make all, all natural deodorants. And the way I I created or curated my brand, it's I look at it as all natural skincare for your underarms. I just don't make a deodorant. I make a full skincare line just because through my experience of going natural and then when uh, my daughter, when she entered puberty and I was looking for something uh, safe and void of as much chemicals I, as I could possibly avoid her. Having to expose her very tender skin to, I realized that we need more than one product sometimes to get us through, and it should be convenient because you know how we live in today's world—we're running from, say, school to after-school activities, sports, or just running errands. And so, through through my um, journey with my daughter, I was able to create four deodorizing products. Life, so that is my business. I make natural deodorants. <laughs>
1: I'm not sure how many people sit down at their computer and Google natural deodorants. But again, it makes a whole lot of sense that we evaluate what we're putting into our bodies, whether it is what we're watching, what we're listening to, what we're eating or what we're applying on our bodies, just like the deodorant that you were talking about. So thanks so much. That's very cool. Terry, go ahead and tell us just a little bit more about where we can find you and the name of your brand.
0: So, I have a website and it's Get. My brand name is Get Freshen Up because that's what I'm all about. I'm helping you to stay fresh, especially while you're undergo. So, the website is getfreshenup.com. And there you will find all the products that I have and the different kits. And I have a really great um, blog if you're just curious about natural deodorants and how they work and why you should possibly consider giving them a try. The blog has a ton of helpful information there as well. So head on over to GetFreshenUp.com.
2: Terry, thank you so much for being here with us. It's been such a pleasure learning about the experiences you had and learning more about Freshen Up. We greatly appreciate our time that we've spent with you here today.
1: Yeah. Thanks so much for joining
2: us on Steph Family Mission Possible.
1: Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I truly appreciate
0: it being here. Thank you. God bless both of you. Thank you.